Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I um, I am really excited uh, to introduce you to Doug Coleman, who is from TEDx Jacksonville. And I think I met Doug at a TED in Long Beach, possibly uh, way back in the day. And then again, we saw each other at TED Fest um, this year, just a couple months back. Doug, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Good to be here. I am. Uh, so you're, Jacksonville, for those because uh, we have listeners from all over the world, Jacksonville. Tell us where Jacksonville is. Jacksonville is in Florida in the southeastern United States. We're on the Atlantic Ocean and uh, just uh, south of the Georgia border. Now, now, Doug, I believe you're retired. Is that right? Uh, I'm happy to say that I am. <laughs> what, what, did you, what did you do with your days before you were retired? I was in the travel industry. I first worked for Pan American in Hawaii, later uh, an airline in Florida, then uh, went into the travel agency business and eventually ended up being a snow ski tour operator, uh, of all things, uh, uh, creating ski packages for clients throughout uh, North America. But did you, did you do that from Jacksonville? Yes. Uh, we're in North Florida, sort of the ski capital of Florida, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. I, I love that. I, I, I learned something new right off the bat. What, when did you first get involved with TED, Doug? Uh, I was uh, going to Grand Rapids, Michigan in 2011 to attend Art Prize uh, because I wanted to steal ideas from them for uh, an arts market that I'd helped form here in Jacksonville. And uh, I was a TED fan, that is, I had watched a lot of TED Talks, and I found that TEDx Muskegon, Michigan, was doing their first annual conference the day before Art Prize, and they were gracious enough to let me acquire a ticket. And uh, I had no idea what TEDx was, right? But uh, and honestly wasn't expecting a lot from a small town in Michigan in the recession. But to my great surprise and delight, uh, TEDx Muskegon was a fabulously inspiring event. Uh, the people of this small town were collaborative. They were optimistic in spite of the economic downturn. And uh, you could clearly sense their desire to make something good happen in their community. It was just a great feeling at the event. And I, I just thought, why aren't we doing this in Jacksonville, Florida? Mm, mm, mm. And I couldn't find anybody that wanted to do it. So like many of the things that I've ended up doing, I just went ahead and applied for a license into my great surprise, Ted, 
gave me a license. So <laughs> said, "Let's have the, let's have this guy on <laughs> uh, on board." Have you been to other TEDx's? I mean, in the early days, did you you know before you did yours, did you go look at any others? Well, I, as I say, I went to TEDx Muskegon in Michigan, right? right. Uh, and I attended a salon uh, of TEDx Scottsdale in Arizona and Phoenix area. Uh, but that was my only experience. And our first event was actually TEDx Riverside Avondale because Ted would not uh, issue a license to the greater metropolitan name of Jacksonville until uh, we had experience and had attended a TED conference. So I attended TED Active in Palm Springs the next year and uh, was able to obtain the license for TEDx Jacksonville at that time. And I've since had the pleasure of attending uh, TEDx events at the University of Florida, uh, TEDx Beacon Street. Uh, I've been to two TED Actives, to TED Summit, the TED Fest, uh, the TED Salon in Berlin, and uh, and have been both humbled and inspired by the people that I've met through the TED community. I would have to agree with you a thousand percent on that. The, um, there, there's something, and as I explain to other people, you know, why do I do what I do when you're in a room with 500 people that do exactly what you do, they just do it in their community. And, and by and large, we're doing the same things, but our approach to it is so completely different that talking to them and learning from them is, I mean, I come away from those kinds of encounters, just buzzing. Oh, the same here. And um, uh, it's truly a world force. To me, it is, I call Ted the hope of the world huh. uh, because so many good people with good intentions doing what we do in 182 countries is just an astonishing accomplishment uh, considering that it's done with no funding, mm. no paid people, mm. uh, just people that want to make it a better world. That's that's pretty hard not to be inspired by that. I've done, I'm going to guess you've done a lot of uh, nonprofit work in your life, but to be part of a worldwide movement that's nonprofit is it definitely different. I mean, based around ideas than around a, like a medical cause or something like that. I, you were talking about the people. I, I just had a, I was looking at your site and I was looking at the team because I love looking at the teams, how people assemble uh, their TEDx. You had two spots that I'd love you to explain to me. One was a data analyst, and the other is a speaker alumni uh, liaison. Tell me what those okay. jobs are. Our data analyst uh, uh, looks at demographics, looks at uh, uh, the counts of speaker uh, talk videos um, and uh, looks for ways that we could improve our connectivity with the community and so forth. Uh, our speaker alumni director is a former speaker at TEDx Jacksonville. Uh, as happens with many speakers, they many of them become our greatest fans mm -hmm. and, and really part of the family. Uh, and uh, in this case, uh, this young lady wanted to serve in some capacity, and we typically don't just add volunteers. We only take people on, in our case, when we have a specific job. 
And we didn't really have a job for her, but we wanted her to be involved. So we realized that uh, that was an area we uh, could do better with, and that is to enhance the connectivity with our past speakers, uh, their supporters, and we really didn't have a formal uh, engagement process to mm -hmm. keep up with them. So she's now, uh, she communicates three or four times a year with her past speakers and helps keep them up to date. And also as we learn of accomplishments of our past speakers, uh, we can put that out on social media and, uh, uh, and hopefully build on their ideas and get that uh, more in the public eye. So stay with that for a second, because I've been really curious. I've been looking at the TEDx Santa Barbara speakers just from our last event in August, and a few of them have gone on and just completely blown me away. Um, of course, you can look at YouTube counts, but you know, one of them has gotten has spoken 35 times since our August event because they found him on uh, our. He, they saw his TEDx talk. Uh, one has gotten two book offers. Another one got a book offer and doing TV. One of them is now giving, uh, she's a high schooler and is doing a tour in Africa where she's speaking four different spots in Africa. And I'm amazed. So I, I, I want to ask the question of, cause you guys have been doing this for, for years since 2012. Is, do you have some success stories you'd like to share of where an idea has had impact and, you, you know, you could, t you know, tell me a great story of someone? Uh, yeah, in fact, I, I will say this. That's one of the great challenges in TEDx is how do you measure the impact of an idea? Right. I right, think it's, it's right. very hard to do that. Uh, I, I can share two uh, instances that I think, uh, have direct relationship to their TED Talks uh, here. Uh, the first was um, a former president of our city council, a local attorney, uh, who advocated removing the box on employment applications that asked, have you been convicted of a felony? Uh, his initiative called Ban the Box was adopted by our city of Jacksonville um, this doesn't mean you can't ask a prospective employee, were you convicted of a felony? Right. But you don't exclude them from the initial process, if you follow me. If, if they're qualified otherwise, you give them a chance. Mm -hmm. and then if you decide uh, that it just won't work, that's fine. But anyway, that he has uh, managed to get quite a number of local corporations as well as our city to adopt that idea. And I'm sure his, you know, while you can't say his talk was the cause of it, it certainly helped make it possible. And the second is uh, a local, uh, a prominent defense attorney spoke about the moral and neurological reasons you should not charge a juvenile as an adult in the criminal courts. And this, the Florida Supreme Court invited him to come show his TED Talk and discuss juvenile issues with them twice. So wow. that was, uh, that was a, a good uh, success in my mind. The, I, I like both those. Uh, the, the way you teed it up when you said, you know, how do we measure the impact of an idea? When, when we look at what we do, I'm, I'm in the process of 
you know, building my team for my event this year and talking to them like, well, you know, why are we here? What, what is this all about? And it's ideas worth spreading. And what, what does that mean? And it is interesting, isn't it? That we don't have a metric by which we can determine if that idea is spread other than YouTube views. So that's what your data analyst helps you do. What's the, um, do you have offhand the, uh, maybe the top number of views that you've gotten from any of your videos? Yes, our, our top uh, video view is about 350,000. Uh, none of our speakers have uh, been chosen by Ted. Uh, and some of our speaker coaches are disappointed and worried. They think that should be our goal, but I don't. Mm. Uh, mm. I, I think our goal is to impact our community and right. if it should go beyond that, that's fine. But my goal is for our group is that we, uh, in fact, I'll back up and tell you, we, we took uh, Simon Sinek's TED Talk to heart. Yep. And we sat down as a group and said, what is our vision? Why are we here? What's our mission? And how do we accomplish it? And we decided that our vision was that our city, Jacksonville, be an informed inspired and engaged community. We say that because informed people make better decisions and informed, engaged, and inspired people make good things happen. We agreed that our mission would be to be a, a catalyst for positive change, opening minds with inspiring ideas. And of course, we accomplish this. The, the what is the events we do, the, the videos we create, Right. That help spread these ideas and hopefully uh, serve as the beginning of change. Do you think that makes your TEDx unique or or it, it, that singular focus on uh, – because some will say, no, well, we've got to make this global. So they're thinking, how does what we do on our stage go global? But you're – I've talked to several other organizers where it's, no, we're really focused on our community. Do you think that makes what you do unique? Well, I mean, obviously every TEDx is unique, but are we distinctive versus other TEDx's? Um, I'm not sure that we are, you know, I, I don't know how radically different different TEDx's could be. Um, I mean, we, we, you know, we put we all put speakers on stage, we, we put performers on stage, we all look for ways to engage with the mm, audience. Mm, we just perhaps we have different variations on that. Um, so we're not dramatically different in concept, uh, but I'm sure locally, you know, food service and engagement ideas, uh, you know, are different amongst TEDx groups. Uh, we work hard as a, as a team to make our audience feel appreciated, involved, engaged. And I think, that we've done a good job of that. And uh, as with, well, you know, I think most TEDx organizations will get the same thing. It's so rewarding at the end of your major conference to mm, see the, mm, mm. Uh, the wonder, the excitement, the engagement, the desire to have intelligent conversation. It's, it's just, uh, uh, it's, it's worth all the effort. Yeah, it is a lot of effort. And that, uh, that evening party, you know, the wrap, when we're all done, when people come up to you and are, you know, very enthused and excited and they, they're just, 
You know, what I had talked to one organizer, he said that he feels like they are a part of the best day in a lot of people's lives, right? Because that's what people tell them. Yeah, I w- I've heard that and I would agree with that. I, um, I'm curious. I have a new question since I, I talked to Maurizio and, and Cesena. Uh, I don't know why I asked this, but it hit me. I, I said, uh, is there, you know, when I'm talking about unique, I said, is, is there a food that was unique to Cesena? And he, he lit up and he goes, Oh, yes, it's a piadina. And he started telling me all about, like, he got one speaker to come because he says, So, you, you know, you don't have to pay my expenses. Just make sure I have plenty of piadina. Is there, <laughs> uh, is there a food that Jacksonville is famous for that you guys highlight there? No, but I'll tell you, we, we are copying what was done at Ted Fest in Brooklyn uh, earlier this year. Uh, rather than have caterers, do all the food at our venue. Uh, we close a, a block long street and put up 10,000 square feet of tents. And in the past we served lunch for everyone there. Uh, this year we're going to, uh, assign everybody to different restaurants, actually they're going to choose the restaurant and we're going to use 10 restaurants within walking distance, uh, similar to the way it was done at Ted Fest in Brooklyn. And, uh, so 60 people will go to this restaurant, mm. 80 to that one, and so forth. And uh, so there's not a specific food that would be um, unique to that, but the idea uh, was one we stole from Ted Fest, much like we do with ideas that we steal from other TED organizers and events. We, we freely share, right? That's part of what's interesting about this movement is that we're encouraged, you know, it's open source, right? We all, we share our documents, we share our spreadsheets where we, there's no sense of being proprietary about what we do. So listener, listen up. If you're, you know, a, a new organizer, um, feel free to ask people. They will give you everything. I mean, I know my my partner docs. I went and they're a, an amalgam of probably a dozen different, you know, paragraphs from this and that. I love I love that. The um back to the restaurant thing for just a second. Um, I was also really taken with that, and I came back and the local ambassador for Yelp. There's actually a community ambassador for Yelp. She said. Could she help us do something similar to that where so Yelp will come on and help us um, uh, partner with um, various restaurants within like, a, I don't know, a couple hundred yards of us. So I, I love hearing that. Yeah. That's a what a fun idea that's going to be. Doug, you, you've been doing this for so many years and you do tell our listener how many events you produce in one year, your team. I think the most we did one year was uh, eight or nine. And uh, uh, we always carry the, the TED conference live. And, and uh, we usually carry TED women. And we do our annual conference and then we do a number of salons. Um, and I think the most we did one year was five salons. Um, and how we big like is your that. team? Uh, they're 25 team members. And is that, it, it sounds like you have, you would need weekly meetings to kind of stay on top of everything? Uh, we meet, uh, we, we begin the year with an annual retreat where we, uh, we meet for the day as a group and discuss our goals for the year. And then we meet once a month until we get 60 days out from our big event. And then we begin meeting 
uh, every two weeks and then every week until the, uh, the main event. But there's a lot of subgroups within the team. Uh, our communications team, for example, works quasi-independently. Uh, our coaches work independently. Um, so there's not a need for everybody to be there mm-hmm. on, uh, regularly. So we use, as, as some probably most groups do, we use, in our case, Basecamp as our primary communicating system. And um, so we uh, we find that monthly is fine. And that works out just perfect. I, um, you know, I'm trying to think, um, um, you know, I would like to get our TEDx Santa Barbara to where, you know, we had the organization to be able to do salons and women and, and youth and, and all of that. And I just, it feels like a, you know, a, a lot of work and a lot of organization to pull that off. What would you say is your superpower that allows you to do that? Is it organizing, collaborating, producing, marketing, curating, or partnering? What do you think it is? Uh, it's the team. Uh, uh, you know, I'm just one cog in the big wheel and, uh, I have fewer skills probably than anybody else on the team. <laughs> and, uh, I think my skill is probably in finding people to serve on the team. And, um, um, and my other advantage is I'm retired. Uh, I think all but one other team member are full-time employees. Right. You know, they're all busy people. Um, so I make up for my lack of skill by spending more time. <laughs> Your availability. <laughs> yes. That's right. I, I, I think that the finding people is definitely a superpower. Um, that, that is definitely a challenge finding the people who can, and I, I'm curious, you know, cause I'm going through this myself right now. Um, what is your, when you're recruiting someone and, and they're busy, you know, like you say, they're full time and you know how much work it's going to be. How do you position the workload to someone that you're trying to bring on? And maybe it's to like a key role. How do you, how do you put that? Well, first we uh, we have created what we call our brain trust, which are people that would like to serve, but we haven't put on the team. We, we tell them that we'll keep your information on hand. And uh, if we have a position that we need to fill for a specific job that your skills relate to, we'll come back and see if you're still interested and want to be involved. Uh, we occasionally proactively reach out to someone, but generally speaking, we want people that have come to us who mm-hmm. already want to be a part of it. And then we work from, um, I don't know whether it's, we work from a philosophy that, um, from the Japanese term, Ikigai. I don't know if you're familiar how do with I spell? How do you spell that? I-K-I-G-A-I. And it's, sort of the reason for living. Uh, If you look it up on Wikipedia, whenever you'll see it's four circles. One big circle is what you love to do. Another big circle is what you're good at. Another big circle is what you're paid to do. And the last circle is what the world needs. And they all overlap a little bit. And what we look for is where all four of them overlap. And we don't, I mean, we're not paying them, of course, so we drop that paid thing. Right. But what is, 
TEDx need, what are you good at, and what do you love? We want those things to overlap. And if they do, you know, I think there's going to be self-motivators. They're going to be a strong member of the team. Do you have anybody with you that's been with you from the very beginning? Oh, yeah. There's probably a third of the team that's been with us for Hmm. six years. Hmm. Well, that says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, it's uh, we can't get rid of these people. Uh, they just want to keep working. <laughs> okay, um, so team members, I know Doug has invited you to listen to this, and he didn't mean that. He loves you. Um, so, <laughs> so what you know, in all these years, um, and you, you know, you've seen it all. And I don't want to get into the horror stories of the, you know, the the divas and all of those kinds of things that we all have those stories and and. We'll stay away from that. What was the biggest surprise or what continues to surprise you? Let's do that. What continues to surprise you? I think the um, the biggest continual surprise to me is the impact that Ted is having in the world. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it it's just keeps growing exponentially. Uh, and, and yet, uh, no, I'll, I'll tell you, my, my bigger surprise is that we're in the amongst the trees and we don't see the forest sometimes. And what I'm by that, I mean is I think the awareness of Ted is probably no greater than 10% of the population. I don't know really what it is, but, but I'm off. My great surprise is encountering a relatively intelligent, educated person who doesn't know anything about Ted. I've, and I've uh, and that, that happens yeah. uh, still a lot. Yeah. And it even happens amongst uh, some university professors. And um, um, so sometimes we think, well, you know, maybe we've got, maybe we don't need to do so many events. Everybody knows about TED. We've, you know, we've reached our audience. But then I realized that, no, we, we really haven't. There's still a world of people that, we need to reach and our ideas have merit uh, to a much broader audience. So we've, you know, we're still going to keep at it. What's the population of Jacksonville? Uh, the metropolitan area is about a million and a half. Okay. So yeah, your total addressable market is 1.5 million people. And you're right. I, um, you know, people will say what I do. I tend to lead with that. I mean, I do a lot of different things, but I'm in town. I'm most proud of saying, you know, I produce TEDx Santa Barbara and they go, Oh, what's that? What have you ever seen a TED talk? No, who's Ted? <laughs> right. And, and to your point, right. It's, it is, it is continuous surprise. So uh, staying on the line of that, what, what it continues to be the biggest challenge for you? I've got to feel like you've slain all the dragons after all these years. I'll tell you that the uh, challenge, the biggest one to me is not finding team members. It's not coaching speakers. It's not finding partners. It's keeping the events fresh and innovative and different every year. Hmm. It, that's the challenge. Or, or especially engagement with an ever-growing audience size. And the worry I have is that as we try and meet the demand for uh, attendance at our right. main events, right. we keep growing, and at some point, 
you know, where do you lose the intimacy, the connectivity, the feeling that we've had at events in the past? Do, is there a is there a point? And I'm not sure what that is. So far, so good. But I can tell that there is a difference between our 100-person first event and our 800-person event last year. And this year, we're looking at 12 or 1,300 people. You know, if, if we reach a point where we're losing that engagement, I think we're going to have to back off and, and cut the size of our event. This is, this is an ongoing debate. You know, we I'm have, sure uh, we've, we have four, you know, kind of four big enough venues, uh, in town for us. And, you know, my, my thoughts before we resurrected as TEDx Santa Barbara, we were another brand like you were, and then we were TEDx American Riviera and then came back was right. we would go 300. Then the next logical venue was 600. Then the next logical venue is 1200. Then the next one is 2000. The, but the feeling of intimacy at 300 is so profound, right? That And it, it's, I think, a combination of the venue, the audience, the everything that it makes a, a huge difference um, in how we, just the feeling everyone gets. So, so I'd be curious to hear how it, okay, different question. Knowing that, are you taking extra measures to keep the audience more engaged? Are you doing something different saying, you know, explicitly we're going to do this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, we devote a great deal of time to that and a significant piece of budget to engagement. Uh, For example, we decided that the idea of putting people into 10 different restaurants uh, for lunch this year would give us some of that feel we had when we were at a venue where we utilize a variety of different rooms and assign people. So we, we pro rata assign speakers, performers, team members, partners, and audience to each of the restaurant venues. So that if you are going to restaurant A, you know there's going to be at least one speaker there. There's going to be team members there. Uh, Etc. You're not going to be a second class attendee or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and and we encourage couples that come to split up and go to different places, uh, not to go with your friends. Meet new people. Sit with new people. And um, then we are. And this year we're going to add an audience response uh, device like uh, Hans Rosling did at the. Yes. The lens along, yep, yep. Uh, as as a means of more audience engagement, um, we we will have an introverts only dining area. For example, um, we'll have oh, hundred and twenty or so students that will be on scholarship coming to this event, and we'll spread them out also amongst this because people like to talk to students yeah, and vice do. versa. Yep, yep. So we do those things we're, we're stealing from, as we did last year, we stole Ted, TEDx Bingo from TEDx Victoria in British Columbia, uh, where people must uh, use their cell phone and get a photograph with a speaker or a TEDx team member 
uh, a certain location, the theater entrance or what have you. They get five in a row. They get prizes. And we get a lot of really great prizes. And we get a huge bump on Instagram and Twitter uh, from that enterprise. And where did that come from, Doug? TEDx Victoria in British Columbia. I love that idea. Hey, listener, write that one down. Well, I'll put that one in the show notes with a link to that. I, I love that TEDx. Yeah, bingo. that's a good one. Um, in fact, we had a lot of free spaces on the bingo board last year, thinking, well, in a little, we want to have some winners. Well, they, we figured it would be the end of the day before we got to that. But before lunch was halfway through, all our prizes were gone. I mean, they were. <laughs> Really? Oh, and is that how you gave the prizes away? Like the sponsors give prizes yeah, you and had things to like that? come to our prize desk and show that you had posted on Twitter or Instagram each of these photographs. And if you did, uh, you got, got a prize. Well, we had 15 prizes, and uh, they were gone very quickly. So we're going to expand on that and make it more difficult to win, but add more prizes and um, what have you. So that's... Uh, that's where we also, uh, have a voting system where at the end of the day, we ask the audience, which speakers talk do you most want us to show to the mayor of our city, oh. which talk changed your mind, uh, changed a significant, uh, position you held, changed you dramatically. Uh, those sort of questions. We have a maybe eight or 10 of those questions. And in the past, we've used a voting board where we had stickers with the speaker's photo and name uh, that they'd peel off out of the program, and then they'd put them on a voting board. Uh, but we're going to use the um, audience response devices simply because 1,200 people trying to put stickers on a board gets a little awkward. So, uh, But we want to be able to send to our city council and mayor, what does this audience think of this event of these ideas what's the most important they want wow. you to know I, I fabulous idea now are your speakers predominantly local uh each year we've had about two-thirds local uh we've always had at least one international guest speaker and then two or three from other cities or states I love that. I that that is spectacular. What you know, again, you're you're such a veteran at this. What advice would you give to other veterans? Because we, we, the people who listen to the show, they've you know they've been there, done that, been doing it for a long time, and we're all listening for little tidbits, little um, hints and tricks. What advice would you give to a veteran uh, about any part of it? Or? Any way you want to answer it. Oh, you know, I, I, you know, we host a regional workshop uh, each year as a level two TEDx. And, um, and we always say to the people coming, we don't have the answers. You know, we just have answers that work for us. And we're not really here to teach you. We're here to learn from you. Right. And I think that's the, what I think others should know, especially people new to the TEDx world is that you should not hesitate to communicate with any TEDx organization anywhere in the world. They're going to be helpful for you. You know, it's a sharing community. It's a caring community. And most of us would feel honored that somebody would bother to ask us our opinion about something. 
and uh, we will gladly share whatever knowledge we have. Do you find yourself participating in that exact regard on the hub or in the Facebook group? Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll post things uh, periodically that I think I have something meaningful to add. Uh, and all, but more often, I'll be looking for ideas from. Yeah, them. me too. Me too. I'm forever. It it's it's the one most robust community of practice that I'm involved in, where I can ask a question about. I mean, particularly right now, I'm I'm looking for examples of representations of themes that have been done, and I just want to give our graphic designer some ideas. And you know, you post and. You know, within 24 hours, you got 40 responses from people. And, you know, it's yeah. most of my other communities are, are not like that at all. W- when is your 2017 event? Uh, October 14, Saturday. And I will mention for any of your listeners that uh, while we do a regional workshop, um, uh, we don't by any means consider that a restriction. It, it's just a matter of the practicality. I mean, who wants to come to Jacksonville? to go to a TEDx event. No, if you do, we'd love to have you. And uh, we will provide housing with our team members to the limit of our capacity. We'll give up to two people from any TEDx organization free attendance at rehearsal, free event, free lunch, free party with open bar, housing where we possibly can. And then we do a workshop on the Sunday afterwards uh, where we all just meet to share and uh, learn from one another. So uh, you're invited if you're listening. Well, uh, thank you for that. And, and uh, Jackson, uh, Florida's fantastic. I was just there this morning. Um, I, I've got to ask, though, I know on Sunday, like by Saturday night, because our events on, has always been on a Saturday, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty tuckered out, <laughs> you know, at, at 10 <laughs> o'clock on Saturday at, and on Sunday uh, we typically host a brunch for the speakers that are still in town that have come from out of town. And yet you go right into a workshop for, you know, however many uh, TEDx organizers uh, are or come to those. And by the way, those are fantastic, those workshops. W- where do you find the energy? And do you go to vacation on Monday? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to admit that, uh, you know, I'm, I am distinctly older than most of my team members, um, and and I'm honored that they are willing to let me party with them at least part of the time. Um, and they will they will be up partying late into the night, usually on Saturday night after the event. I will not, uh, and uh, and we don't start the workshop until around eleven on Sunday, so we try and make it reasonably practical. That that seems fair enough. If if um, it, one of the things I I like to ask is if I take our red carpet that's on the stage and turn it into a flying carpet and can take you to any TEDx in the world, where are we going? And you're a travel guy, so you you I'm I'm gonna guess you've been around. So where are we going? Yeah, yeah, I've 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 been uh, to every continent, including Antarctica, except Australia, and so TEDx Sydney would certainly be high on my list. Uh, and, um, I mean, honestly, I, I'd like to uh, attend a TEDx event uh, in every country in the world if I had the time and, and wherewithal to do that. Uh, I, I'll tell you what I loved. I, I saw on through the Facebook page that TEDx Cape Town in South Africa is organizing an overland journey 
from Johannesburg, South Africa, up through Botswana and Zambia to Tanzania to TED Global. And they, like me, are not attending TED Global because it's expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're going to go uh, as a caravan up through Africa. Wouldn't you love to do that? Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's uh, what a great opportunity. I mean, I'm I'm tempted um, to do that. And and one of the most most fun I had was to go to Ted Berlin Salon, which was good. It was a great event. But the real engagement and fun was when about 20 of us took the train to Amsterdam, where TEDx Amsterdam folks entertained us. And oh my gosh! I uh, love that. You know that was uh, that was really one of the memorable events for me with TEDx. For for those of you that are listening, where this might be your first TEDx, that maybe you're on a team. And by the way, Doug, I would encourage you to. Uh, invite your team to take a listen. Um, there's there's lots of lots of things to learn. But for those of you have wondered what have you wandered into with this group of people, it is not at all unusual to hear of people make. I hear it all the time uh, who travel to Europe to a TEDx to attend and then get into the vortex of TEDxers and stuff just happens. Like you said, you go from Berlin to Amsterdam where you, you end up in these, you know, massive dinners with uh, people from all over the world and you make in, in very short time, you make a lot of new friends, which it's a very, very uh, nice unintended benefit. Yeah. Mark, I will tell you one of the other things that we, we did from that trip to Amsterdam is that I learned that there are also great potential speakers for TEDx amongst the TED community, amongst the TEDx community. And we've had two uh, TEDx organizers speak at our event. Uh, One was Jordan Adelheit, who organized the first TEDx in a prison. Right. And uh, the other was Fatin Ben-Hamza from Tunisia, who is the organizer of TEDx Carthage Women, uh, because we wanted her to talk about the Arab Spring and Tunisia mm, and its mm, role mm, in mm. in that. And this was um, – uh, so it's a resource that people may not think of a lot, but that's the advantage of going to TEDx events like TEDfest or Beacon Street or whatever. I mean, I, I would like to see more opportunities for TEDx organizers to meet on those casual and formal ways uh, rather than the formality of, um, say, TEDfest. Uh, I mean, that, that's the reason we might come would be ostensibly TEDfest, but really the greater benefit is the after-hours right, right. Uh, meeting with other TEDxers. The, the in-betweens. There was a, a famous conference um, started by a TEDster called Lobby. And he said, when you go to a conference, um, the best conversations are always in the lobby of the hotel, you know, in, in the evenings. Hmm. So he says, I'm going to have point. a conference that's just that. So there were no sessions and it was invite only. And it's mostly people from Ted that got invited, uh, to Hawaii once a year and there were no sessions and it was spectacular. And he would set up tents. Um, these kind of open tents, three-sided deals 
um, all over the, the, the great lawn between the hotel and the ocean and with a chalkboard in front of it. And if you wanted to do a talk on something or you wanted to talk about something, you just wrote it up there and people would wander. And so they would self-organize into, it was, you know, into discussions. It was fantastic. Um, uh, but I, I like to, that. but, but to your yeah. point of, uh, there, you know, us kind of going out of our way, uh, possibly, you know, go to ted.com and find an, a, a TEDx event that's near you in the next month. And, you know, if it's within a couple of hours drive, it's totally worth your while. Contact the organizer. Um, and they would no doubt welcome you with open arms. Absolutely. Yeah. Great idea. So, Doug, I want to finish up with, you know, the, the show's called Hacking the Red Circle. And, uh, you know, we, we have these lanes we have to run in, right? You know, we, we, we don't pay. We have to raise our money. It's all volunteers that we do this, we do that. Yet we, for us to be able to pull off these world-class events, to your point of um, talking about uh, TEDx Muskegee, well, was it Muskegee, right? Is that Muskegon. right? Muskegon. Muskegon, that's what it was, Muskegon. Muskegon, yeah. Yep, that um, it was fabulously inspiring event. So a lot of things conspired to make it that way. So we, you know, the, in terms of raising money or making, you know, $10,000 look like $100,000, that kind of thing, what would you say is your, your best performing hack that you want to share? I, I'm, uh, I form a great team. Form a great team. I mean, team. I think that's, uh, you know, you form a great team and uh, find their ikigai. Get them inspired, and uh, it's amazing what, uh, as Margaret Mead said, a small group of determined people can do. What is that? No, who is that? Margaret Mead. Okay. said, never underestimate the power of a small group of people to accomplish something or something in that order. I'm paraphrasing, but uh, there, there's really no better example of that than TEDx organizations all over the world. I'm, I, I love that. And, you know, I've heard that more than once that it's about the team and it, it actually influenced me quite a bit. And this year I rebooted TEDx Santa Barbara entirely and, you know, just rethought about it completely and from the team up and I've got, have some people coming back, but, uh, I, that is probably the most important thing, finding a great team. I'm going to, this, uh, Ikigai, I'm, I'm going to go look and let me give, give me the spelling of that again. So I make sure I have it. That's I K I G A I. Okay. That's what I have. So I love that. I can see that I'm, I'm a visual thinker, so I can see those. Yeah, you know, I can imagine those four circles coming together like a Venn diagram, and where I find that person in the middle uh, yeah. is is the perfect team person. Yeah, it's that overlap of those circles that. Um, uh, I mean, it's really useful in thinking about your life, not just TEDx. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> right. What did you say? It's what the reason for living. So it's not just the, the reason yeah. for volunteering on a TEDx. No, it's the reason for living. I appreciate oh, I that. I mean, that's right. And, right. you know, so I, I think that matters. You want people, you want people doing things they like to do. You want people doing things they're good at, and you want them doing things that we need in TEDx. And when you find that overlap, you've got, you got a great team member. 
I love that. Doug, thank you so much for, for taking time uh, to sit with us and share some of that wisdom. And we appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to um, seeing more from uh, TEDx Jacksonville. And, and I, I love, I, w- I would love to hear how the um, voting system works out. And I would, if, <laughs> I'm, I'm just imagining what it's like going to present to the mayor and the city council. Um, the results. I mean, there, there is something where you have a, a way to measure impact. I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, uh, and we are, as a matter of fact, we discovered that um, uh, the company that we're going to use for the audience response, and I'm just looking on my uh, internet now to find the name of it, they have a discount for TEDx organizers. Um, and uh, polleverywhere.com is the company. And uh, uh, it's not free. Actually, it's free for up to 200 responders. So if you had a, a, a salon, uh, right. it, it would be free. Uh, for a larger event like what we'll do, it's going to cost some money. But the other option is renting uh, radio devices. Uh, that use radio signals rather than Wi-Fi. We're going to use this system uses your iPhone mm-hmm. and an app on the mm-hmm. phone to mm-hmm. respond. Mm-hmm. It's not quite as smooth as the radio devices, but it's a third the cost or a fourth or a fifth. So makes it possible for uh, us to afford to use that. I love that. I, I look forward to hearing how that goes. And Doug, thank you so much. And I look forward to uh, actually seeing you at another one of our big gatherings that we have as a clan. Well, I hope, I hope that I'll be at TEDx Santa Barbara one day. You are. You, we've got a red carpet waiting for you, buddy. <laughs> thank you, Mark. It's great to talk to you. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.